Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them wrote us up. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GA Championship podcast. Well, the dates may have changed, but the All-Ireland Football final storyline remains the same as Dublin were crowned champions for the fourth consecutive year at Croke Park on Sunday. We'll talk now turning to the five in a row. We are joined in studio by Irish Examiner sports editor Tony Lean, whose admiration for Jim Gavin and company went up a few notches on Sunday afternoon. I understand the whole, oh, things are getting boring kind of, you know, debate, but I find it, I just, I don't agree with it. I, I just think that they are really good for football. Um, and as long as a team like Dublin, with its mobility, I mean, with the individual talent it have, with its flexibility, you know, I was even saying, or writing myself in the paper this morning, when you have kind of, Paul Mannion kind of, you know, hoovering up ball in the full back line when you've, you know, when you've Brian Howard doing the same, when you've Philly McMahon and these guys up actually, you know, shooting. Like, it's, I tell you what it is, I mean, you know, anyone with any bit of a kind of a coaching bent, I think the kind of the thrill is to actually watch them. And, you know, one thing about the press area in Crow Park on floor seven is you have a fantastic view of the entire pitch. And it's actually really hard to even follow. And, you know, that I mean, people, you know, I've been watching football now for quite a few years at this stage, and you'd be looking at it, and you're kind of going, you're actually like, okay, what are they doing there? And, okay, and what, how, how are they making it happen whereby they always seem to have their defensive setup and their structure correct, even though every time, column you'd look at it, it's different individuals in the system, you know, and it might be... There might be a wing forward, a wing back, two full backs one minute. The next minute, Barney Rock could, or Barney Rock, sorry, Dean Rock could be b- behind midfield, you know, actually covering again. So, I mean, systematically, they've got to a point where, I don't know, is it just that they are blindingly well coached or they're extremely intelligent, innate footballers themselves? I have to think. Um, much and all as I admire and I do have huge admiration for Jim Gavin you have to think that a lot of it is just the player's own intuition in the moment on the field of play that they know you know I need to be here there's possible danger and I mentioned it again this morning and one of the things is Dublin were on the attack ball was down uh, in the corner of the Hogan stand near the Nally stand and I was looking back the field, and I could see Mick Fitzsimons, who would come on as an early sub, he was actually setting up the defensive structure. Now, there was only two, was it maybe one or two Tyrone forwards in that half of the field? 
But Dublin were setting up their two in the full back line, Mick Fitzsimons in front of them, and he was dragging Niall Scully back before. And this was all going on. So I would, I would genuinely think, Colm, that there's a huge level of footballing intuition amongst this current group of players. And that's why, you know, everybody's just talking this morning about the drive for five and the five in a row. If they have the desire and if the key people in the setup can stay injury free, it might seem like a scary thing to say, but I don't think five is the end of it at all. I don't see any reason, given the age profile profile of this group, that they couldn't go on to six, seven. Because there's no way they look like a group whose appetite is sated at the moment. You know, they look like someone, and, and you know, you're from Kerry Cullum, and you might remember back in 82, when once it got to 1982, if Kerry had won that five in a row, I think you'd have found a lot of guys would have packed it after that anyway, because they were coming to the end. They'd, a lot of them had been on the road since 74, 75, you know realistically with the likes of uh, with the exception of probably maybe one or two players that Dublin group could go on for another three four five seasons and they're just such an exceptional group and the depth of the squad is is such that uh, uh, they're there for a while yet I'm afraid just on that point if you look back at Kerry in 82 it was still a lot of the same players in 82 that had started the the journey towards five in a row but Fair to say with this Dublin team, we look at like the likes of Owen Merchant, for example, that each and every year they're, they're producing that extra player, that extra player that sits seamlessly, seamlessly into the system. Brian Howard is another one. Niall Scully was obviously involved last year, but he's actually become a starter this year. You've got to remember the likes of Paul Flynn didn't get any game time yesterday. Now, Paul might be, as you said, maybe one of the players at the, at the other end of the scale in terms of how much longer he'll be around. They have got the setup and the system bang on now in Dublin, and that's the scary thing. I met with somebody yesterday who's involved in a peripheral way in the Dublin development squad setup, and the level of detail he was talking to me about things that are going on at under 14, under 15 and under 16 Dublin development squad level where players are actually coming off and actually, you know, getting sheets to fill out in terms of interpretation. Okay, but on that point, Tony, is that level of detail at underage level bad for the game? It's raising the bar, Cullum. Um, you know, is it bad for the game? I know, I don't actually think it is. Uh, it depends if you want if you want your your Gaelic football and your hurling to continue to be drive it as far down the field as you can and you know may the best man win and you know contest your own ball and I mean realistically anybody who thinks that that football or hurling is going to continue in that vein you know is in for a very rude awakening. Look, the bar keeps being raised and raised, and at this moment. Dublin are raising the Dublin football setup is raising the bar higher than any county in either hurling or or football in either code. And how much of that is due to the huge financial clout? See, I, again, I'm not buying that in the sense of they've got their house in order. They've always had financial clout, not to the same level they have now. They've always had population. They've always had population. Um, 
the scary bit always back was uh, I remember hearing it several times people saying if they got their house in order Dublin would be just a dangerous proposition they have got their house in order they're a slick smooth running you know corporate entity now they you know every element of what they do especially on the football side and the hurling side is catching up but especially on the football side is geared to succeed and the fact now that they have actually got success and they're at the summit and they're doing the right things why would they stop they're not going to rest on their laurels they're going to try to get better and going back to your original question I do believe that that is good for the standard of football. It is up to the Currys, it's up to the Mayos, the Donegals, the Tyrones, the Galways, all the chasing pack to actually sit down and raise their game and bring themselves up to that level. Eventually, eventually they will succeed. You know, this, this won't continue indefinitely, but as I did say to you a few minutes ago, I really wouldn't be surprised if Dublin... Dublin could still win another three All-Irelands in a row and it wouldn't surprise me if they won a fifth, sixth and seventh All-Ireland in a row. It wouldn't be a shock. The, the only thing that will unhinge them is a factor that is outside their control and that is the likes of injuries or players who decide to take a year out or some something, one of those uncontrollables that you know corporate Dublin can do nothing about Jim Gavin can do nothing about obviously the depth of their squad um, as I said is, is, is an impressive sight to behold but every team every setup has key individuals Stephen Cluxton is obviously a year closer to, retire to, to retirement now he's not going to retire next year there's nobody in the Dublin setup who's going to walk away on the cusp of history but there isn't too many seasons left there if Kieran Kilkenny was to get injured, if Jack McCaffrey was to get injured, if Brian Fenton was to get injured and was to miss a large and, and important part of a campaign, you know, deep and all as Dublin's resources are, there are three or four players there that even Jim Gavin would really keenly, keenly feel their absence. You mentioned Jim Gavin there. You've dealt with him in many press conferences. What, what, if you were to sum up, does Jim Gavin bring to the table as manager of this Dublin football team? Oh, how would you answer that question? Um, I just think he's obviously, what he is, number one, is he's a brilliant organiser. He's a brilliant manager. He's a brilliant head of a management team. Mickey Hart's interview um, with Kieran Shannon in Saturday's Examiner, I, I must admit, I found fascinating. Not just the stuff about faith or the stuff about RTE. I thought his stuff about the ability to change as a manager, like that, you know, that it doesn't have to be a personnel thing, that it can actually happen inside your own head. Um, the fact that a really good manager is one who recognises he may have limitations in some areas and so he wants to bring in expertise that will actually better him and better the group. And I think Jim Gavin has done that too. I don't think Jim Gavin is the type of coach where you know he has to be the one out on the pitch dominating everything. I think he has that ability, obviously, to take a helicopter view of things, to oversee sessions. He's obviously, the thing that intrigues me, and I've, I haven't really had the type of conversation with one of the Dublin players that would illuminate this, I don't think he's one of those 
arm around the shoulder managers whom the players would go to war for. I think what he does, and I know it's a, it's a dreadful coaching cliche, but I think what he does is he creates the environment um, for them to thrive. And he's good enough to get out of the way, to hand responsibility to the players. He, he repeatedly, and I know it drives some of the journalists demented when he starts going on about, you know, we're just privileged to be on this journey with the players. And I know it sounds like pap a lot of the time, but... I must admit, I take him at his word when he, when he starts going on and stuff like that, that he knows he has a very, very special group. And one of the real skills of a manager when things are going that well is almost to get out of the way, almost to make sure that the environment is right for them all to prosper, for them all to thrive, and that he is not putting any obstacles in the way of that progress. And, you know, all those things would make him a manager ever before the fact that his football intellect is of the highest level. And, I, I, you know, what I have done is I have spoken to other managers around the country who've actually faced him and have come up against him. And, you know, you, you even detect a certain awe from them that they're actually saying, like, that this guy is absolutely at the top of his game. And, you know... He is the template almost at this stage, and he is the standard setter in terms of managerial excellence in an in or managerial excellence in a voluntary uh, community like the GA. In terms of the chasing pack, people talking a lot about Mayo and the closeness that they've come to the summit in the last uh, two or three seasons now without a manager, uh, Kerry without a manager. Uh, realistically, would you be looking as at those two as being the closest to? to Dublin I saw um, some commentator last night um, doing their power rankings now for the top 10 um, football counties and obviously Dublin were at 1 but the thing that interested me and made me smile was that Kerry were at number 5 now Kerry had a pretty ignominious end to the championship this year. Didn't make an All-Ireland semi-final, as we know. Eamon, for, uh, Eamon Fitzmaurice stepped down. I would still argue vehemently that Kerry would be the best, would have been the best-placed team yesterday to challenge Dublin in an All-Ireland final in Crow Park. I say that for two reasons. Yes, their defence is suspect. But they have the offensive arsenal that Mayo certainly didn't have, that Tyrone didn't have. I would argue probably even that Galway didn't have, even though I know that there is potential there. And I still think that they are the one opposition that might spook these Dublin players. I really got the sense, Cullum, yesterday, that at no point, even after 15 minutes when Tyrone were 5-1 up, that at no point... Did the Dublin players feel that their four in a row chances were on the rocks? I really felt they always felt that they could reel Tyrone in. Uh, I think if you were to ask me, was there any other opponent in the country who they wouldn't want to be five points to one down to after 15 minutes, that opponent would be Kerry. Because Kerry can 
shoot the lights out and have sh shot the lights out. Now, obviously, they have issues defensively. Mm. I mean, you know, the dream scenario would be obviously to have the Tyrone backs and the carry forwards, and that's probably that would be some matchup against against um, against the, this Dublin side. But it's all good and well saying that Kerry have the potential, you know, to put the Frighteners on Dublin. You know, that's easy for me, you and me, to talk about in the studio. The likes of Kerry have to go off and do that because, as we said, the bar now is set so high for the rest. It's a question, in my view, in 2019 of are Dublin going to come back to the pack? Because at the moment you have to doubt whether there's the capacity there amongst the Galways, Mayos, Tyrones and Kerrys to actually bridge that gap between themselves and the champions. Okay, we'll uh, mention another game that was in Croke Park uh, on Sunday, and that was the All-Ireland Minor Final between Kerry and Galway. History achieved by Kerry, uh, first ever male five in a row. Uh, Peter Keane obviously strengthened his hand in the, in the race to succeed Eamon Fitzmaurice. Well, well, he didn't weaken his hand, I would say. Um, it's a very different, it's a very different um, minor grade now. Um, it's amazing. Uh, actually, funny enough, that was, that was the first time that I'd seen um, that Kerry minor team in the flesh this year. And they really looked like kids. You know, it's amazing. You wouldn't think one year would make such a difference. Um, and as well as that, and I said this this morning, I do think as well that David Clifford has kind of muddied the waters in terms of, you know, how we perceive a Kerry Minor because of what he did in 2016 and 17. Obviously, there isn't the same, you know, luminary with the present group. And so Peter Keane did what he really had to do. Um, Peter Keane now is after coaching three Kerry Minor teams to all Ireland's and the naysayers might say, oh, well, you had Sean O'Shea in 2016 and you had David Clifford in 2017 and, you know, but the bottom line is you still got to go out and you still got to beat it. That, that, the Kerry Miners are 30 games unbeaten. So, like, long-term, obviously, that augurs well for Kerry. Um, I heard somebody actually call him say yesterday, just as we were getting into the press lift, uh, which was a very good point, actually, it's like actually, it's like a throwback to the seventies. Dublin dominance and a young Kerry team coming through. You know, are we going to have that? You know, decade from seventy-five to eighty-five that we had of Kerry and Dublin. Are we looking at that now, from kind of 2019, 2020 to twenty thirty? Um, that's the long term. In the short term, Peter Keane has done all he can. One of the f one of the the major Achilles heels that people say Peter Keane has a problem with in terms of his readability um, for the Kerry job is the fact that he's only coached Legion, only coached Legion. I'm saying he hasn't coached at inter-county level. He has never coached a minute senior at inter-county level. And there's a huge, huge, in every aspect, there's a huge gap between minor and senior. But he can only do what he can do. And he's after doing everything possible uh, in terms of advertising his wares and Peter Keane, as a manager, I would say he is a very strong candidate. If he had Donny Buckley in as his coach, I would think that his candidacy is even stronger. Um, and I do think that one of the key elements of this race to see who succeeds Eamon Fitzmaurice is if Buckley gets involved. You've mentioned Donny Buckley here in this studio many times before. What exactly 
makes him so special? What makes him so special for Kerry at the moment is he is the best in the country at the areas of the game that Kerry are deficient at. We spoke just only five minutes ago about Kerry going forward. The big problem is Kerry defensively. And for everything that he brought to the table, it's an issue I don't think that Eamon Fitzmaurice ever fully you know, got to grips with. Donny Buckley, and I've seen him and I've been on pitches with him and I've watched his, his sessions, he is just outstanding at getting a team without the ball to defend well, to turn over ball, to tackle properly. Um, and these are all areas that Kerry are deficient at in the moment. So that's the attraction. If you are a Peter Keane or a Jack O'Connor, probably to a less extent, or a Dermot Murphy, and you know that this is one of the primary areas that you have to work on with Kerry, and you know that there is a Kerryman out there who is the best coach in the country at that sort of thing, you know, sometimes two and two does make four, and sometimes it does make sense to go out and bring that type of a person in. So I do think that I do think that if Peter Keane uh, gets the job, or if Dermot Murphy gets the job, um, I really I'd be surprised, put it this way, Colm, if they were to take the job without having a conversation, at least with Tony Buckley about getting involved. Final question, then, Tony. <laughs> Back to what we were saying a little earlier, the the gap between Dublin and everyone else. You know, for for a new manager coming in, is it a case for a Peter Keane or whoever that it, or for a new Mayo manager that really you you're doing the groundwork for possibly the next manager to catch Dublin? I think if you look at Sunday's final, um, I think Mickey Hart would concede privately that Tyrone would have nearly had to hit every one of their 20 pre-game targets, you know, to actually beat Dublin. They'd almost have wanted the perfect game. Now, remembering they kicked 16 wides on the day, they were within four points of Dublin, the game going into injury time. I actually think they are the things that other managers will latch on to uh, over the winter. They will say, OK, Tyrone mightn't have as good as forwards as we... Um, they did a lot of things right, but they did a lot of things wrong, and they were still within striking distance of Dublin. Obviously, the ar- the counter argument could be if Dublin really needed to, could they have actually pushed the button? Because realistically, Colm, they were always five, six, seven points to the good until Peter Hart's late penalty. So, in terms of the gap, I would say there is a gap there. And I have to say, the ability of other counties to bridge that gap is less a factor for me than Dublin's own ability to stay ahead of the pack. Dublin's own ability. You see, one thing which you know can't be lost in this debate is next year, 2019, before any other year, there's going to be no problem with Dublin and hunger. There's going to be no problem whether they still have the appetite to go because they are looking... They will officially become... People, we always have this debate, you know, was it the Kerry team of the 70s and 80s or is it the current Dublin team? There will be no debate. If, if Dublin win the All-Ireland in 2019, they will statistically and officially be the greatest football team in history. And, you know, I'm not saying that Jim Gavin is a legacy shopper, but the bottom line is that is a mark that not just Jim Gavin, but everyone in that Dublin dressing room 
will want to have. And so therefore, you know, usually, as you know, Cullum, after the end of a season, um, people, managers are asked, are you in, are you staying next year? Will you be talking to the county board? Will there be any retirements in the setup? Will you have to incur? The question wasn't even asked in the press conference afterwards yesterday, because everybody knows at this stage, everybody in that setup, in that Dublin setup, barring injury, will want to be involved in 2019. And as you rightly pointed out, you're going to be having a little infusion of, you know, more own merchants and, you know, these kind of lads coming through in, in 2019. So it's really a question of where Dublin pitched themselves mentally, tactically in 2019. Uh, and then really, realistically, it's up to everybody else then to try to bridge the gap. And it, it, is, a, it, is, it is a considerable gap at this moment in time. Thanks indeed, Tony, for that. Now, let's hear the viewpoints of All-Ireland winning manager for the fourth time, Jim Gavin, after the game. Um, no surprise there from, from Tyrone. Um, you know, they're, they're an outstanding team. Admiration of them them after the game. Um, the way they, to a man, unprompted, they stayed in the pitch to see the, the, the Dublin guys come down from the stand, Hogan stand, and... Um, you know the, the respect that they showed to the, to the, to the opposition is, um, you know, very humbling to see that. And uh, you know, but going into the game, we knew it was going to be a tough battle. They go five-one up. Um, they have the momentum, and our guys don't blink, um, which is a great characteristic to have. And we just keep going through the phases, get ourselves back in the game. And um, even half-time, you, you, you're not, uh, you know, the game is only a break in play. It's, it's, uh, it still needs to be finished and, and um, you know the guys just kept with our process of, of, of going through each phase of play and they're going to come back you see the subs that they brought on you know, they finished with a really strong offensive attacking team um, you know you're putting putting Colum Colum Cavan into the full forward and showing their intent and uh, you know they really went after it and they left everything on the pitch and you know just left the dressing room those guys are, 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 are completely Fatigued from a fantastic uh, battle, and um, I'm just really happy for them that they have they've come out the right side of it. Because you know we possibly could have went the other way uh, with the closing stages, but you know again we we did enough to see it up. No, it's a, it's an, it's an all-around final. Like there's there's a lot on the line, so you know players are, are pushing each other really hard. Um, it's a, it's a physical contact sport. It's you know it is what it is, and, and uh, some great exchanges. I think the GA should be very proud of, of both both teams, both counties. The the, um, the spectacle that they put on today, some great scores. Um, I'd say the, the the attacking phases were probably quite equal. We were probably just a little bit ahead of them on the on the efficiency rate. So um, and that's a credit to Dublin players for you know we go after the skills of the game. Um, we've worked hard with them over the last couple of years, and I probably got. Due reward, obviously, the first opening 10 15 minutes, a little bit wayward, but you know, the strong boys put them under severe pressure. But that mental resolve in that Dublin team is just a, you know, it's just a pleasure to witness uh, and the collective ethos that they have. Um, you know, they see the prize is serving the collective, serving the county, not the self, not the self. And um, a lot of players there who didn't even get game time today who they don't show it, but they must be disappointed not to play in the final. But, they just want the team to do well, and um, it's team, 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 and, and uh, I think they've they've uh, demonstrated that again today. Is that the most satisfying environment of the last four in terms of the coaching job? 
Um, again, we wouldn't we wouldn't use that word. Um, to, to, you know that we that, that you, you're never uh, you're never safe in the game. Not against quality opposition. You, they, you know they can they can get a goal, and then all, all, the, the, the whole dynamic of the of the of the, um, of, the, uh, of, the of the game changes. But to specifically answer your question, the coaching piece, they're all really satisfying from the coach's perspective. Um, you know, uh, Paul Clark and and. and uh, uh, Declan Darcy and Jason Sherlock have done phenomenal work with the guys in the, on the field of play and to see the technical skills coming out because that's what we kind of pride ourselves on in the heat of battle uh, executing those plays and being I think we had maybe seven wides in the game yeah six okay so and the, the, the bulk of them came in the first quarter of the game so we tied that up and to see them, them executing under severe severe pressure from you know, an outstanding defensive team that Tehran always are, but you saw a different side of them today, how, how good they can be going forward. And, and uh, that's a young, very young Tehran team. They'll be certain to back. Yeah. When you talk, could you do this and guiding them to forward? Could I have envisaged? Guiding managing them to forward? I didn't envisage anything, you know, and, and that's not, I'm not throwing the question back at you. Um, I just see is, is, is every year just trying to do my very best for them um, and uh, that, that's, that's all it is it's, 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 it's been in that moment you know, set a plan out for the season and drive out after it as best we can in a very smart way but um, you're doing it for the, for the obviously for the county, it's, it's representing football um, you know, my, the, the multidisciplinary backroom team to a man they volunteer their time, doctors volunteer their time Myself and the management team, we volunteer our time. It's a choice that we make. And uh, we're delighted to, to be asked in the first instance. Very privileged to be, to be representing Dublin. And we're just, while, we're in that, while, we, we're, while we have the torch, we'll just try and make it as br- burn as brightly as we can. But there are no guarantees. So many great teams that want to quench it. And you're just trying to do your best. And, you know, someday we'll hand it on to somebody else. And then it's their job to make it as bright, make it burn as bright as they can. So that's just our job. And, and uh, you know, we look back on... Uh, uh, when it's all over we look back on it but uh, for the moment we're just living the moment and we're just really happy for the players um, well first I don't see the management as, as it, it, yeah, it won't, won't, there's, there's a name beside your position but you know we have a management team um, I don't make decisions in isolation. Uh, um, you know, we make them collectively, uh, and that's that. So, I don't go. I don't go. I don't go into that space myself. Did you ever people? <coughs> Sorry, say again. Some lads have won five or six medals now for the likes of Rob Burch. That today, it's, it's their first medal. Yeah, it's yeah. That's unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's and that's the special thing about it. You know, you're right. Um, some players there just come from the dressing room, and, uh, and forgive me for being late, but I just wanted to spend some time with them um, in those special moments um, and to see the, the joy. You know, it, it, it was a st- it was, you know, just a fantastic atmosphere, energy in the room, and the guys who won a few, and the guys who won their first and playing their first or Ireland final. It's just you know, it's it's just it's a special moment, and that's that's why we. Give our time to, to, to see that. Jim, the next step for you to take is a step that nobody's ever taken in the male side of GA. Do you think you have to improve or just maintain to cross that bridge to five in a row, which is the magic? Um, 
and we don't cross any bridges. We're 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 on a we're we're just on a journey, and whatever, whatever there's lots of twists and turns in it, and lots of bends, and and um, the next step I'll take is 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 enjoying the night with my family, with my friends, with our great supporters. That's the next step. Um, uh, obviously, our competitors will have looked in, and, and we'll see. Um, you know, they obviously were planning, and there's a lot of obviously changes in backroom teams in other counties, and, and the other teams are probably gearing up for the campaign. We're finishing our campaign, so. But um, uh, we won't even step into that space at the moment, Vincent. It's, it's just about living the moment. And that's it for this week's edition of Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GA Championship podcast. Our thanks to Tony Lean for joining us here in studio. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who was on production duties once again. And thank you for listening. Don't forget you can download the podcast on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. We're on iTunes and on SoundCloud as well. Until we speak again, best of luck. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.